and um, knock on the door, and he's like, well, what in the hell are you doing here? Sit down. We need to talk. And, you know, if you've ever seen a 400-pound, six-foot-seven man cry, that's that's something pretty powerful. After a while, he says, how's the company? And I'm like, we're going to be fine. We're okay. And it really affected my heart and mind about thinking about how my job as protecting clients, just like my mom in her career thought about her job of protecting clients from cancer. Those two things were pretty powerfully in tandem in the way I think about how my firm and I are here to take care of people. Straight from the boardroom to the microphone, I'm April Garcia, and this is Pivot Me, easily applied tools and hacks to get you ahead. This isn't just a podcast. This is an upgrade for your life. Helping good people become even better. This is Pivot Me. Matthew Davis is a lawyer who runs a very successful practice in several cities in Oklahoma and Kansas. Went to Cornell College and graduated with a summa cum laude and with distinction. Also earned a master's in public administration. He's worked for the U.S. Department of Energy in Washington, D.C., participated in numerous litigation cases with recoveries in excess of $50 million. Matthew, you've had an impressive career. That's probably just the tip of the iceberg as well, huh? Yeah, I suppose. I I, I don't like to think about what I did. I just kind of keep doing it. And, you know, my goal is to be just better every day. And uh, so, yeah, I've, I've tried and won a lot of cases, but um, my general goal is to to stay out of the courthouse and to keep my clients out of the courthouse, because uh, guess who wins when you go to the courthouse? The, mm-hmm. the guys with Esquire after their name, you know, the guys, <laughs> the guys with bar licenses, because, you know, the court system is just a complete freaking nightmare and you just don't want to be there. We We perpetually talk to our clients about being in either the problem space or the opportunity space. And businesses don't make any money in the problem space. You got to get out of it and you got to get to where you're capitalizing on some opportunities. So, yeah. yes, thank you for the props. But um, it's refreshing to hear you speak so candidly about the court system. And um, I didn't expect that, I guess. It's nice. It's refreshing. Well, uh, I get a lot of, Davis, you're kind of bluntly authentic um, <laughs> a lot of times. And, uh, you know, we, 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 we just speak that frankly about stuff and it, it, it helps. You know, it's like rule number one of Davis Law is listen real closely when I'm trying to talk you out of spending money with us. Wow. And, you know, people tend to appreciate when you, when you try and talk them out of spending money. Sure. I bet they do. I bet they do. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to touch on is most recently you authored The Art of Preventing Stupid, a book detailing how to build a stronger business strategy through better risk management. I loved the note on the back that said, even though risks for businesses are greater than ever, most entrepreneurs are responding by closing their eyes tighter. Protect your business and yourself with Davis's eye-opening thoughts. Yeah. You know, here's the deal. Entrepreneurs and and our space of entrepreneurs we work with are, are like your people. They're you know quarter million to ten million dollars in revenue. We've got people on both sides, but that's the fair way. And entrepreneurs think improve, grow. 
and then they may think about protecting their business at some point. But you know, they're kind of adrenaline junkies, and uh, you're laughing because I'm here. Right. here I am laughing. And they're right. like, "Yeah, charge! Let's go! Let's go!" And the thing I always go back to because you know we're all standing on the shoulders of giants with everything we talk about, right? And Jim Collins, who wrote Great or Good to Great, also wrote a book called Great by Choice, which for mid-sized entrepreneurs is an even better book to read. And he talks about four things that uh, 10x leaders do in their business, and they have fanatic discipline. Check. Almost all my clients have that. Two, they have level five ambition, meaning they want to go somewhere. Check. Almost all my clients have that. Three. They have empirical creativity, meaning they're great problem solvers. They know how to deal with things. They know how to get ahead. Check. Almost all my clients have that. But the fourth piece of the puzzle that he identified is what he called proactive paranoia Mm -hmm. or productive. He called it productive paranoia. And that's the concept of going, wow, what's going to go wrong? And by the way, he talks about Bill Gates was constantly – paranoid about what was going to happen to Microsoft. There's a story in there, too, about uh, Andy Grove over at Intel and just worrying about what could go wrong. And we like to take it to a little bit different level of talking about proactive protection of your business. So you go from being paranoid to proactively protecting your business. And that sounds like, okay, that's what, what the hell does that mean, right? It's real simple. It means you're going to prevent the things that you can, and you're going to prepare for the things that you can't. Mm. It's that. Because guess what? We're all vulnerable. Every one of our businesses is vulnerable. And we ultimately like to help people build strong, protected businesses, because those are the businesses that thrive, that dominate marketplaces. And then that also help people build dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at that revenue range that you're talking about, it's business owners in that revenue in that revenue range. This is their dream. This is their baby. This is what they put in hours and hours of work and energy, and they spend their time thinking about it. Is it? It means the world to them. Um, and protecting that. Now, why why did you pick that range? Is that it, that was that naturally happen? Was that by design that you thought I want to work with business owners in this? arena? Yeah. I mean, that, that just sort of naturally happened. And a lot of them grew from small to big, you know, big being five or 10. I mean, you're making a nice paycheck. You're, you're bringing home that sort of money, uh, grew with us. And, um, you know, I live in my hometown, um, which is Enid, Oklahoma, which is just an overgrown prairie town. It's 60,000 people. Um, but I have branches in Tulsa, Wichita, Oklahoma city, um, and about to go down to Fort Worth. So right now we're in 3 million people market and our 3 million person. And then, you know, gosh, Fort Worth is 7 million with Dallas attached. And I come from old dirt scratch and Oki and Kansas farmers. And we just took Willie Nelson's advice and became doctors and lawyers and such a couple generations before Willie started talking about it. And, um, you know, I love seeing people help them build businesses. And that's, that's what we, we do. I mean, that's what my granddad did. That's what my dad did. Um, you know, my granddad was an accountant here and, um, one of his 
clients is a guy named Harold Ham, who people outside of Oklahoma tend not to know who he is, but Harold's worth, you know, 10 or $20 billion, depending on the price of oil. And so uh, we just love seeing businesses grow and helping them. And the, you know, my mom was a doctor. And one thing that just kind of mid-career after going, what in the hell's wrong with the law business? There's just something that doesn't feel right. I, I was thinking about my mom, and she was one of the pioneers of breast cancer screening. And mom didn't take crap from anybody, okay? She was the only woman in her med school class. The boys liked to pull the cut. Yeah, she liked to cut. The the boys liked to cut the anatomy off the male cadavers and stick it in her lab coat just to jack with her. And, you know, she was just like, yeah, whatever, boys, bring it on. But, you know, she saved thousands of women's lives by just pressing, look, I don't care what you say. We're going to go get your breast cancer screening done. And, you know, this was when country wasn't cool. She was ahead of the pack. And all the time, somebody's coming up to me going, your mom saved my life. Your mom saved my wife's life or whatever. And um, but lawyers don't do that. Right. And, you know, some of it's the client's fault because uh, clients don't know how to properly use lawyers. But at the same time, it's probably more law's fault because law's not set up to structurally and systematically help people protect themselves and prevent vulnerabilities from becoming problems. You know, we're taught in law school to just sit and wait for the phone to ring and then they come in with a problem. And like we've discussed, April, then as a lawyer, you're sitting there going, you know, kind of like a cardiac surgeon who's got a guy who's been, you know, eating McDonald's hamburgers and, you know, the supersized guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you go, well, yeah, sure you did. Of course, that's why, you know, of course, that's why. But you, you can't say that because of professional decorum. Yeah. But, you know- You know, what's interesting is that you're talking about your mom being a doctor and that it sounds like a big part of what she was doing was you said breast cancer screening. So what I just heard is there's the kind of doctor that wait for someone to get sick and then comes in and you try to treat them. Or there's the kind of doctor that practices preventative medicine and goes out and tries to help them before it becomes a problem, which is actually really mirrored in your own practice. Yeah, that's, yeah. I've, I've actually made sense, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm happy when I make sense and, uh, and actually convey an idea because, uh, you know, my, my kids don't seem to think I make any sense at all. But, yeah, that's the point. But the thing that doctors have is, you know, they've got T-systems, which are all the little checklists that they run and so on. And we work really systematically with our clients. The Art of Preventing Stupid is a book about the business immune system, which is one of the tools that we use to get into the seven working parts of your business and then analyze it based upon the three sources of all of your external threats, which are catastrophes, your own ignorance, Mm -hmm. and ineptitude, which means you know what you're supposed to be doing and you're not doing it. And it's a really powerful tool. But my next book I'm working on is called The Strong Protected Business. And in that book, we're getting into the nine, the nine vulnerabilities that three of them are internal, six of them are external. That, and those, are, those are where your threats come from. Mm-hmm. And if you, learn, if you learn to think systematically about how to protect yourself, you can do it a whole lot more effectively. And that's what we bring to the marketplace. 
And it's something that's really lacking because law really understands problems because that's our stock and trade, but they don't have a tendency to teach people how to catch them when they're vulnerabilities. Yeah, you know, it's interesting is as you're saying this, I'm thinking about, so I obviously I'm a business advisor. I work with lots of businesses and then I'm also part of lots of business owner groups, right? That we meet quarterly, some of us meet monthly. And I'm just thinking of all the things that are typically presented there or, or areas where we dial into, we dial into execution and cash flow. Um, spent a lot of time on a PL statement, um, people, hiring people, firing people. But I'm just, as we're talking, I'm thinking about how few focus whatsoever on the legal side, on prevention. Really, we set up the LLC or the corp and then kind of, okay, well, we'll, we'll touch in with them annually to make sure things are filed. And really, you only come calling when there is a problem. As you're talking real time, I'm thinking, wow, we really need to change the structure so that that people are are preparing for their their weaknesses, preparing for threats, uh, positioning themselves best for opportunities. But we really do brush over that as business owners. Hmm. Um, and you know, for reasons previously stated, you've got the improve and grow. And then what I'm saying is, when you set your goals, you've just mapped out all of your potential problems. You've just mapped out your vulnerabilities because. They're flip sides. Yeah. And so when things go really bad, when you're talking about cash flow, that's that's a function of one of your systems not working properly in your business, you know, whether it's your collection system or or whatever, or your billings, even your invoicing system, whatever you want to call it. But again, just back to the other point is law doesn't know how to help business that way as a general rule. We like to think we're pretty good at it. We like to think we're getting better at it. And we really view our role as much more of a business advisor with the eye. And we work with a lot of business coaches. So we've got a um, a company that we're working with right now, and it's really cool. Um, and we were down in Oklahoma City. I was with their business coach. And we're like, um, this thing goes where we think it's going. We're putting another building on the skyline. And wow. you know, we work with the business coach and she thinks about improve and grow. And then I'm in there going, okay, yeah, but this is what we got to do to protect the company. Mm-hmm. And protection, there's a couple paradoxes attached to protection. The, the first one is that being protected is not about being protected. It's about being strong. And because when you are protected, you're, you're in the, pro, the opportunity space. You're not in the problem space. You're like the star player out on the field. You're like the guy who's, you know, let's, let's go here. You're like Brady, not Copernic, okay? Because Copernic's created all these problems for himself, you know, by, because he can't focus on the game. He's over here, you know, getting mad about politics, when he ought to be focused on throwing touchdown passes. You know, here's Brady. He keeps winning Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. You know, it's off the cuff, probably a pretty good example. So protection is about being strong. That's why we call it the the next book is The Strong Protected Business. Mm-hmm. Now, the other paradox is protection is not about protection. It's about making your dream happen. And 
for that point, I refer people to my favorite business movie ever, and it's called The History of Iron Maiden Part 1. And you can find it on YouTube, and it's an awesome story of how Steve Harris, who was the founder of Iron Maiden, by the way, do you think Iron Maiden's a business, April? Yeah, oh, I think it's a brand, and I would assume it's a business, yeah. Do you, do you have a 747? I do not. Okay, Iron Maiden has a 747. Okay, I rest my case. Iron Maiden is a huge business. As yeah. Soon as, soon as any of us get a 747, we can argue about whether Iron Maiden's a business. <laughs> That's my point. And it's the story of how he was protecting the band, protecting the dream that he had for the band. And, you know, after they sold a million copies of the number album, he fired the drummer because he wasn't good enough. Wow. You know, because he's like, I'm not going to put up with any C players or even B players on the team. Everybody on our team is A players or you're gone. And so when you're thinking about protecting your business, that's, that's how you act. Mm -hmm. And it starts to show. Is that something that you see a lot of, a lot of businesses being held back by tolerating C players? Is it the, they don't identify who are the A players versus the C players, or if they do identify it, do they just not make the decision to actually transition that employee? The answer is C, all of the above. Okay. Um, Yeah. A lot of them don't focus in on their people um, and they don't, they don't focus in, you know, doing KPIs. And just making sure that we're actually moving the ball forward. Um, so that, and then beyond that, they firing people. A lot of people don't like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. I've, well, you know, it is unless you are number one protecting your dream, mm-hmm. and you know that they're a problem to the dream. Yeah. Then, then that's why you know that's why that's so important because you go. I can't get to where I want to go, and the problem between me and there is this person's feelings and the fact that they need to go find a different job somewhere else where they actually fit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's the best case scenario. They may just be a complete slacker and just you know need to go learn how to work. Alternatively, you know, if you have your firm's core values or your company's core values really mapped out, boy. And, and we put that in our best practices checklists that mm. we, we work on our, with our businesses with because it's not a per se legal deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not even not per se. It's just amen, not sure. a legal deal. Yeah. But boy, your company sure – I mean, one of our core values is we're lifelong learners. Yeah, I saw um, that. I saw and, that. you know, we have somebody who's not willing to learn, not willing to grow. Um, I'll fire him over it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got another one is carry the message to Garcia. I was going to ask you to talk about that. I liked that one. Oh, yeah. Well, and yes, you know, you particularly like it because of your last name. There we go. <laughs> I have so, a bias. <laughs> yeah, we have a bias. Well, message to Garcia until recently was required reading for all Marine Corps recruits. Mm-hmm. Um, so my nephew when I started telling him about it, he's like, oh yeah, of course I've read it. And it's about a three page essay. And it's a story about president McKinley needing to get a message to a rebel general in the Spanish American war 
And the guy, General Garcia, as his name would be, was in Cuba. And mm-hmm. so they, they they said, well, who are you going to have do it? And somebody says, have Rowan do it because Rowan's not going to go get drunk. He's not going to go, you know, take a train to Charleston and then go, oh, there's no boats going. He's going to go figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. And when you get players on your team like that who will carry the message to Garcia, you're just like, wow. Yeah. Are you struggling to stay focused? Still need to get things checked off that to-do list, but finding it harder than ever. Be productive, be effective, and perform at your best. In my new digital course, Multiply Me, I'm going to show you how to be laser focused and wildly effective. You will learn how to get three times as much done, but in less hours a day. I'm much more focused, so much more done in my day. Far more time effective. I needed to make a change and this was it. Amazing. Life changing. You can literally multiply your output. You can master a productivity tool today that will give you a high performance advantage in any season. Take back your time so you can enjoy the life you've earned. Join us now at pivot-me.com backslash multiply me. We've created a free guide, four simple steps to getting more done in less time. In these short videos, I quickly show you the four main steps to productivity, to getting more done, the right things done, but in less time. To download your free copy and have it in your inbox ASAP, go to pivot-me.com. Get the four simple steps to getting more done in less time. Join us now at pivot-me.com backslash multiply me. So what got you into to law? So I know you said your mother was a doctor. Did you, and I think you said a grandfather was an accountant. How did you find yourself um, in this line of work? Well, it was pretty simple. I was um, a 20 something year old history major. I did pretty well in college, surprisingly. And um, my father made me a binary choice and he was kind of blunt and he said, Listen, here's here's your choice. I'll uh, I'll pay for you to go to OU Law School or you're off the family tid. And I said, well, Dad, I think I'll go to law school. So, um, you know, it, it, it was not some big revelatory thing. I just – I grew up in a professional family and um, I probably always thought I'd go to law school, but I never had some burning passion of, oh, you know, I want to be a trial lawyer or, you know, want to go mm-hmm. – Sure, injustice, which, by the way, doesn't happen very frequently in the law business. Um, so my dad kind of cajoled me into it, and uh, I was glad I did it, and and then I still am. I uh, and I'm really having a good time now, um, mid career, just reworking it. And now that I have, and that my firm has the experience in what really goes on and how things really work, mm-hmm. we're tearing things apart and really working on disrupting the law business, um, not only by branching out, because as we branch out, we we hire lawyers, we hire great lawyers, and we just 
take care of everything for them so that they can just do great work for our clients. Mm -hmm. And all we do is small to mid-sized business law. We have one corporate client, so I should say there's, there's my qualifier. But, um, and then, you know, we know that a couple things people hate about the law business. And one of the best ways to get ahead in business is just figure out what people hate about your industry and fix it. Okay. And so we know people hate the mushroom treatment, which means you feed them bullshit and keep them in the dark. And so we're just kicking off a, a new firm guarantee. We call it the constant contact guarantee, where if we don't update you about your case every week, we take a hundred bucks off your bill. Wow. And so we have a full-time um, director of client experience. And that's, that's just one of her core mm. jobs is letting our clients know that. And then the blank check syndrome, which is how do we, how do we keep track of, of cases and how do we pre- present reasonable case budgets? And you know, we, we have a custom legal department program, which is a general counsel program that's about 20% of our, our business. And that is fixed fee every month, proactive. And so we can really control costs in that. Litigation, it's a lot harder to do. But next year, we'll, we'll bring in a full-time case finance director. And that's going to be his or her job, figuring out how to make that, how to, how to just improve our service on that level with our clients. Because clients hate it. Yeah. That's powerful. Take what people don't like, what people hate about your industry and fix it. That's powerful because you did just touch on the things that people really struggle with. So if you can speak to the opposite of that of, hey, we've heard you understanding their pain points and here's what we're going to do to fix it. This is why your experience with us will be radically different than your experience with other firms. Um, That's a powerful value prop right there. It it really is. And thank you. And it is. And it's... A few years ago, I got the chance to sit in a room for two hours, about 100 of us, and listen to the um, director of customer service for a little hotel company called Ritz-Carlton. And he's talking about, yeah, of course you need to fulfill the requests of your clients or your customers, Mm -hmm. but when you can anticipate their needs and get ahead of them before they even ask – He's like, it, that's what we do. That is our goal, our stated goal at Ritz-Carlton, just to deliver a wow that they can't stop talking about. And then on the back end, if there's a problem, every employee at Ritz can give away $2,000 worth of goods and services. Wow. So I was there, and the um, I went one night, I was going to drink a bottle of Chardonnay. So I went to the wet bar. It's a big wet bar in our room. And um, I got the bottle of Chardonnay and I poured myself a glass of water. Somebody had finished the Chardonnay, refilled it with water because they're too cheap to pay for it. Right. So next morning I told the maid and I said, and she's like, oh, I'm, you know, very apologetic. I'm so sorry. So sorry. Sorry for your inconvenience. She's like, take the entire wet bar, please. I mean, 
there was like a 375 of Woodford Reserve there. There were four or five bottles of wine. And I'm like, no, I don't want, you know, but you remember stuff like that. Oh, That's yeah, you do. Fantastic. Super fans. Yeah. Yes. Let's let's give a little plug to Brittany Hodak while we're at it. She's awesome. And, oh, she's fantastic. I have her, uh, I have her little book here and I'm taking it down tomorrow to our director of client experience. I'm like, this is, this is the stuff that we're putting out yeah. there. So it's, it's, it's those little details. Have you ever um, seen Don, John DeJulius's work? Um, fantastic stuff. Here's um, one of his books. This is the relationship economy. Yeah, and I don't know it. Okay. It's, it's just fantastic. And he has a, a conference every year in Cleveland. Um, we're, it's, I believe, October every year. I think we're geared up to go next year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he talks about people's Ford, which is family, occupation, relationships, and dreams. And how when you know that and you know that about your customer, then it just creates that relationship. Mm-hmm. And, that re- and people do business based on relationships. They sure do. There was a book that Mike Forrester got me recently called uh, – what was it? Bottom of the pool. I think it's called bottom of the pool. And in there, he tells this story about how he gets this haircut. I don't remember if it was him or somebody he was talking about, but he gets his haircut and it's his, this guy's kind of ribbing him about his haircut's not that good. And he's like, man, when are you, you going to go to a proper salon? Like your haircut, it's, it's, you know, a C plus at best. And so then he tells the story and he goes, let me tell you the story about, you know, Sally, I'm butchering the story, but let's just paraphrase Sally that cuts my hair. And he tells this story about how his mother um, would always get her hair done. She's an older lady and she had, you know, going to the beauty parlor is, was very important to her. Um, it made her feel very put together and that she eventually um, had cancer and wasn't able to get out and go to the beauty parlor. And this lady, Sally, would go to wherever the mom was, whether she was in a home or her house, because she wasn't able to travel anymore and would do her hair. And she started doing it for multiple people. And it, if memory serves me, it was for for free without pay, um, just to give these people a sense of dignity to feel put together. So they like what they saw when they looked in the mirror. And this guy said, I never forgot what Sally did. And he's like, which is why Sally will always cut my hair. As long as she's in business, she will cut my hair. And I loved that story because we all know Sally's right. We all know someone that, that delivers on that level and just their goodness and humanity comes out and, and when they're business owners that we can support them in that way. And it just remind me of that story. It's, it's a good book too. Bottom of the pool. It's a quick read. I just wrote it down and, and I want, okay. So we, we came out of this notion of you're going, people go see their lawyers about the, just setting up their corporation and then that's it. Right. Mm -hmm. But what we just talked about are all sorts of vulnerabilities, particularly around our customers and around the competition, which by the way, are two of the big six external vulnerabilities that we have. Mm -hmm. So what I'm getting to is having these discussions and understanding your business in ways like this are things that your lawyer should be doing. It's things that they should understand because then you should be going, hey, let's let's steer them out of this. Let's steer them out of that. I mean, the, the easiest way to beat the competition is just to kick the crap out of them and not worry about them. Mm-hmm. And, and I tell the story 
in my upcoming book about my son who smokes everybody. He's, you know, he's, this one's the one adopted from Russia and he's just a little ball of muscle and his speed. I mean, greased lightning on this kid. And he gets down to the little Olympics here and he was killing everybody. And then he got to worrying about the guy behind him. Mm. And I'm going, Luke's Luke, Luke, stop it, stop it. Get in. And he ends up coming in second because mm-hmm. he's not worrying about just beating everybody. And, but guess what? When, when those things happen, when you, when you let those vulnerabilities get you, that's when you end up in the lawyer's office and that's when you end up writing those big checks. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you is a lot of time with business owners, I'm curious if you had an instance like this, a lot of times there was a moment where, uh, you know, it might be a, a, a event in your life, it may be an event in your business where you'd consider throwing in the towel or just wondering if this was, if this was still the direction you should go. Did you have, have you, do you have a moment like that where you kind of hit a crossroads and had to make a decision on which path to choose? I had a pivotal moment that changed my career. I had some clients come to me and we've been together for so long. We're like peas and carrots. And, you know, they built, they're just these farm kids. They now like own the town. Okay. You know, you walk down main street and it's, you know, them, 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 and run a big oil field service company. And then they have this attached venture that's electronics controls. So it's like you're in some sort of Silicon Valley lab out in some Oklahoma farm town. And it's, you know, just, and, you know, we're, uh, we're their general counsel and I spend a lot of time with them and, you know, know all the kids by name and punch them in the arm when I see them, that sort of relationship. And, um, they came to me because some company up in Chicago got a hold of them about setting up all these different layers of LLCs and all this crap. And I'm like, guys, you know, come on. Um, the, and I told them a story about how the judge in our town um, just roasted somebody for doing something like this because judges see through it. And juries really see through it. They get pissed off when they think you're playing games like that. And, um, every now and again, it works, but the rule is not a bright idea. And finally I said, you know, what, what insurance do you have? How much? How much? And they said, gave me a number and I freaked out. And I said, guys, um, and this was eight years ago or so. I said, guys, we've got 30 loaded down Ford five fifties, which are the big Fords on County roads, country highways. And it's not a question of if something's going to happen, it's a question of when it's just statistics, you know? And, um, we went out and we got six times the amount of insurance we had within the day. Wow. And six months later, the husband was lying on a table a hundred miles down the road with his chest cut open, undergoing major thoracic surgery and I get a call from the number two guy in the company says, Davis, get out here. One of our guys just hydroplaned and killed two people. Wow. And there were two kids in the back of the truck that lived. Wow. And so I went out and helped got it, get it under control. And we didn't tell the president of the company about the wreck for two weeks. 
because he was pretty laid up. And one Sunday afternoon, he's going back to work the following Monday. I drive out there, and it's 30 miles out in the country. And I um, knock on the door, and he's like, well, what in the hell are you doing here? Sit down. We need to talk. And, you know, if you've ever seen a 400-pound, six-foot-seven man cry, that's that's something pretty powerful. And, of course, first thing he asks about the kids. After a while, he says, how's the company? And I'm like, we're going to be fine. We're okay. And when you see the power of proactive protection, which I'm not going to tell you in that instance I did a good job on, but it really affected my heart and mind about thinking about how my job as protecting clients, just like my mom in her career thought about her job of protecting clients from cancer. And those, those two things were pretty powerfully in tandem in the way I think about how my firm and I are here to take care of people because our, our stated purpose is we're going to build families' futures through smart business decisions. And you can make all the smartest business decisions with your ambition, with your goals, but if you don't protect it, it's not a matter of if something's going to happen, it's just a matter of when. Mm. That's a powerful story. Yeah, kind of gives wow. me the release. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> you have me cons- reconsidering my own uh, my own protection and planning, kind of in a different vein. What does owning a business allow you to do? You know, I started out as a technician, right? Okay, mm-hmm. I was a lawyer. Lawyer's a technician. I had an entrepreneurial spasm, and I said, <laughs> okay. Let's go start a business, and then I got to be the manager, and I got to be the entrepreneur. And so I've built a really good team of management, and we talk about underneath the management, I talk about six essential departments that you have to build out. I call them in the strong, protected business, six essential allies, Um, and it's having good admin help, good operational help, good legal help, good finance help, good HR help, and good marketing and sales help. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, so that's management. And we're getting to a point that the management is pretty strong and it's really freeing me up to go where I need to go, which is just the entrepreneur bit. Mm-hmm. And that's what Michael Gerber talks about you needing to do. Mm-hmm. And there's very 99 times out of 100, there's that's where the business owner needs to be because sure. nobody tells the story. And nobody has the passion and the fire in their belly the way we do. There was, uh, I was meeting with a CPA firm. Um, actually, it was the uh, the author of Simple Numbers, Greg Crabtree. Yeah. Um, I was having a chat with him. Great, great book, by the way, if you haven't read it. If it's, uh, it's the... It's a really good finance book written by a finance guy that actually makes makes sense. I'm 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 looking for it because I keep it right here. Do you? <laughs> oh yeah, Crabtree's fantastic. He is really good. Yeah, he's he's sitting right next to me here. Uh, well, not Greg, but his book is. Um, anyways, in there, I remember he was doing a talk. I don't remember if it was in the book, but we were having a chat, and he was saying that. Um, I always ask for for trend lines, like, have you noticed threads between successful businesses, successful business owners, the ops department, the sales department? And he was saying that in a business under, I want to say it was 10 million was the cutoff. A 
big difference in revenue and profit was whether the owner also functioned as the VP of sales. Oh, really? That 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 was important, and and why? Because they have that fire in their belly. To your earlier point, they're going out and they're communicating, um, the product, the service. They've got the intensity. They've got the passion. The, the clients can feel that. And so, I really enjoyed when he said that line. I shared that with a lot of people because people start to grow and they wonder, okay, well, when do I bring in a VP of sales? When do I bring someone else that's actually doing this part of it? And oftentimes, the answer is not yet. You've got to get the right cast of characters. You got to get the right people on the bus before you can think about that. Um, just a little Greg Crabtree insight from that. We've talked a lot about systems in our business, but do you personally have success habits like a morning routine you do every morning or a way that you manage your day or you time block? Is there any you know, hard and fast rules about your habits that have teed you up for success? Yes and no. I, I try to get in habits and grooves and then sometime it's like we were talking i for the last 60 days i've been on you know in in oklahoma which is our home state less than half the time yeah and that and then you know when i'm there i've been in you know either here in the enid office or wichita or oklahoma city or tulsa of course wichita's kansas and um it's really hard to maintain routines. The The one thing I will say that I'm very assiduous about is I keep grandpa hours. So I go to bed at nine. I don't know why I just have, and I take naps too. So um, I've, since I was 20, I've taken a 30 minute nap every day. I don't know what the deal is. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I and, thought that was humor. No, <laughs> no I do. The real deal. I okay. do. And everybody at the firm knows, you know, that Davis is taking a nap, leaving. And I can sleep on a cement floor. Um, it's it's the craziest thing. It drives my wife crazy. Um, but every Saturday I get up about six and whether it's at the house or here or come down here to the office and I work from six till noon on the law firm. I don't pick up any cases. I, uh, you know, nobody's here. The phone's not ringing. And uh, one day I, I hope that I don't have to do that, but um, it's just setting aside that time of working on the firm, not in the firm. And you've, you've heard that, those words before, Oh yeah. but it, it's absolutely been critical to our success. One of our questions too is who, who are you outside of your business? Oh gosh, um, you know I was kind of happy. My oldest daughter, um, or actually second daughter, I have a hard time keeping track of them. Um, just um, was the salutatorian, if that's the right word. She makes fun of me because I can't remember of her high school, and she got up and gave her a little speech at graduation, and she said, "Dad taught me about fun." Which actually, I was like, "Oh, okay. I'm kind of happy that I taught you about fun." I'm I'm an artist type. I I'm a guitar player. Um, as a matter of fact, I was working on a new song um, this morning. Just kind of came. I, I get ear viruses, and you're just like, "Okay, I, I get that song." And uh, I just got together with my college band. We all just spent a weekend in a cabin hiking together and 
recording the songs we wrote 30 years ago. Wow. And yeah, it was really fun. We were like, wow, we were not that horrible. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe when I get old, we'll, we'll uh, get the band back together and go out on tour or something. What book would you recommend people read? The Go-Giver is fantastic. Ooh, Have you ever read, read that? No, and I'm oh. a big book nerd. Oh, and Go-Giver is fantastic. It's about four hours on Audible. Okay. And when I had my midlife crisis and decided to go build a law firm, my business coach told me to go read it. And I thought he was insane. And six years later, I'm going, this guy was an absolute genius mm. and um, absolutely phenomenal. I'll tell you what we're reading in our firm book club right now, which we, we make everybody read a chapter a week, and it's Joey Coleman's Never Lose a Customer Again. Hmm. Um, absolutely spectacular book. It's a book about the emotional journey that customers go on and how you can build a system to anticipate where they are mm -hmm. and lock them in to become super fans. Mm. And nice. it's, it's Brittany's message. Yeah. Um, just hatched a different way. So um, great by choice for small to mid-sized business owners. Yeah. Ab absolutely fantastic. Profit first. Um, for marketing, Jay Bauer's Utility, Y-O-U-T-I-L-I-T-Y, is absolutely spectacular, as is his talk triggers. Hmm. Um, we... Oh, I, you might have just figured out that I read a lot. Yeah. And uh, well, and people go, well, you know, why are you, what are you doing when you're driving to Oklahoma City or Wichita or Tulsa? So, well, audible. Yeah, I'm doing audible. I'm learning something. <laughs> I, I knew you were my people. I've known you were my people since the first night I met you. But when you, you talk just, in terms of four hours on audible, I'm like, I get this guy. I get Yeah. It's four yeah, hours on audible. So, um, there, and there's a great little essay out there called Evolve Yourself to Scale Your Business. Have you ever seen that? Mm -mm. Um, just Google that one up. It's from one of Vern Harnish's coaches um, down in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And he just talks about four different stages of business growth. Mm -hmm. And that's what we use to kind of map out where we think our, our customers are. And, and we have a book list for each one of those levels. But mm -hmm. for every business owner, again, it's like three, four page essay. You're going to read it and you're going to go, oh, I get why this is happening to me because mm -hmm. this is exactly where I am. And it's all been done before. And this just, it puts some comfort in your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Going, okay. We can get through this. There's a guy that I work with. I don't know if this is his phrase, but he, he uses it a lot. Uh, another business owner I work with, and he always refers to the, the tough moments in an entrepreneur journey as the dark night of the entrepreneur soul. And so if you have tools like this to reference, it helps you get through those dark nights in the entrepreneur soul because they exist. They absolutely do. And uh, um, you need those and to actually, to your earlier point, it is a lonely journey. Being an entrepreneur, the way people think it is, and then when you're an actual business owner, is quite a bit different. Um, even if you've been out in the corporate space, you're surrounded by this team and 
anyways, being a business owner can be very lonely and having these tools and understanding how other people navigated the path before you and realizing I thought it was just me. It's not. It's a business thing. It's a business owner thing. It's a team thing. Really gives you comfort as you navigate those. What would you tell someone, someone who's actively seeking the next level of success? They've had some measure of success, but they know they're capable of so much more. What would you tell them? I just tell people, you know, there's a great Ralph Emerson quote about how the universe conspires to help us. Mm-hmm. And I would say it maybe differently by saying the Lord helps those that help themselves. I just got after this kid up in Wichita. He's got 750,000 Instagram followers. And I said, how much money did you make off that last year? He said, $26,000. I said, what in the hell are you doing, boy? Um, if I had 750,000 Instagram followers, I would not be prepared to be making less than a quarter million dollars off that. I mean, that's just silly. And he's like, well, I have no idea how to monetize it. I'm like, okay, let's play pinata. Here's some books. Let's call Clemmy, who's my buddy. And Clemmy's a professional golf photographer and his travels all over the world. And that's go-giver stuff when you start connecting people and you start putting that together and then you're just lifting everybody up and that's what people love to do out there. So that's, that's my uh, rambling answer to your, your question. It's, it's keep swinging and keep looking for help and keep looking for the clues. One day you're going to get the candy, mm-hmm. but you're not going to get it if you don't actively, aggressively go after it. It reminds me of the phrase, the uh, answers reveal themselves by doing, not by thinking. And so we just have to keep doing. Yeah. So what's, what's next for you? Well, we are going to go build three or four branches down in Texas over the next couple of years and probably pick up um, Kansas City and probably Denver. Um, we may go to Northwest Arkansas, too. There's a million people in those two counties. So we are building a chain. Our, our BHAG is 30 offices by 2030. Mm, okay. And there's no reason we can't do it. So... We are working on spreading out and continuing to build our marketing machine. So we've got our YouTube channel up and going. I've got my podcast over at artofpreventingstupid.com and Art of Preventing Stupid book, which everyone should think about buying. Uh, It's available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Actually, a really great book about the how to protect your business. It's, it's It's a technical book in that regard. And then I'm going to probably publish The Strong Protected Business, maybe 2021, 2022. Doing a book takes a lot of time and energy out of you. And um, I'm at the point that we continue to build the base underneath the law firm. I'll have the time and energy to go go work on that. Sure. But, you know, at this point, it's... I've got to be on the ground. I got to be the sales and I, I, I got to be the entrepreneur right now. Yeah, but, absolutely. You know, a few years from now. Have you always had such aggressive growth? I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Um, really for the last five years. Yeah. Um, there was one year where we took a step back, our largest client, or actually it was our second largest client, but we were in-house general counsel for them and or out, outside general counsel, I should say. And they took a quarter of our business away one year. And then that same year, we quit 
all of my business that I'd built up over 25 years in the law business and just said, we're done. We're washing our hands of it. And so we took a step. We only grew 15% that year. Mm -hmm. I mean, but that's, that's after having. Losing a quarter million dollar client, you said? Uh, Yeah, quarter million dollar client. And then we, we, um, and then we lost, uh, we, we cut about the same in revenue. Wow. Out of you know, we just we just said to hell with it, and we said you know this is what we're doing. We're going forward, and so we didn't hire anybody that year. But you know, we we yeah we we still grew fifteen percent that year. So, but and what that really did, you know, what that's about that's about protecting the dream, mm-hmm. because we looked at that when we're going. These cases are a huge pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. They take a whole different level of discipline. It's a lot harder to hire attorneys. It's a lot harder to systematize. But when you look at it and you go, we're going to protect the dream, and the dream is to build the absolute best small business law firm in America, then that's got to go. And you have to make choices because deciding is about die is like dissect, right? And Mm -hmm. side means something has to die, like pesticide. So you got to make a decision sometimes. Yeah. No, that's amazing. It also reminds me about how important good clients are too, because uh, there's a rule in coaching where the the secret to great coaching is great clients. And that's not just a catchy phrase. If you're not working with great people that won't implement, then you can't do your job well. And um, when you find that your clients are not aligning with your vision and your larger goal, it's time to make some tough decisions. Hey, we do it. We are, you know, we, I have up on my whiteboard here, three things and one of them is do badass cash flow and collections and we you know we pay really close attention to psychographics of our clients and Mm. whether whether they fit and whether you know it's a long-term client for us and just making sure that it's it's a great relationship yep i love it thank you so much for taking the time this was fun thank you bye-bye thank you so much for dialing in today and don't forget make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at the April Garcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.